Today, we are talking about marriage-centered money with Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson is a financial planner and financial therapist that works with couples to create lives that they love. He wants you to feel empowered and emboldened by the financial choices that you make. In his book, Marriage-Centered Money, Bill outlines the strategies and the tools that you can use to get on the same page when it comes to your finances. He's going to talk about that book today, but he's going to share some behind-the-scenes strategies on how you can start for success, strategies you can implement when you find some barriers you're going to walk into as a married couple, and how dads can start planning now to build a financial, healthy life for their kids. This episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast with Bill Nelson starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Bill, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Great to see you this morning. Great to see you as well, Cam. Thanks for having me. We're joking about having uh, the post-holiday voice, and I know that you've got some young ones. I got some young ones, and we're recording this in the morning, and my wife is like, are you ready for this? Because you still have your morning <laughs> voice. You still got like that fog in your throat, so I apologize if my voice sounds a little bit off, but man, I am so excited to dive into this conversation with you today because the conversation about money is always a touchy subject in a family, um, but getting on the same page and living healthy together, both financially and in your marriage is so important. So before we get into that, though, Bill, take a few moments and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and yeah, what you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my name is Bill Nelson. I'm a certified financial planner and certified financial therapist professional. Um, I, I got started in the industry in the financial planning world back in 2015 and worked for a company for a little bit and then eventually kind of decided I wanted to go out and do do this on my own, my way. And so I, I quit my job back in 2016. I got married a month after quitting my job and I started my company a month after that, which was a way too much to do within a 60 day time frame. Don't do that. <laughs> is, yeah. is the first is the first piece of advice I have for you. Don't, don't quit your job, <laughs> yeah. get married, and start a company yeah. within a within a short time frame. But you know what, what that? Uh, yeah, no, it, it was um, it it worked out for me, but it was a little stressful along the way, certainly. Yeah. But you know, and, and on those lines, you know, like what what that meant for me was that I my income went to zero. Um, for for a little bit, just as my wife and I were starting to learn how to manage money together, you know, so that this first few months of marriage for us was was really stressful. I was working around the clock. She was also working around the clock in her job at the time. You know, and, and we were trying to figure out about combining accounts and how to set things up in a way that worked for for both of us. And you know, it, it was a really hard time for us, and compounded by the fact where we weren't totally settled with where we were living. She was facing a a scheduled job change um, shortly thereafter. And so we just had all these balls wow. in the air yeah. and no system in, in place to figure out how to handle them. And, you know, being in that kind of life stage, as I was getting started, my first clients were also in the life stage of lots of job changes, lots of, you know, family changes, getting married, having kids. And so I was, I was living these things myself. I was seeing the, the early clients that I had kind of struggle with these things and, 
I had no what to do, no no idea what to yeah. do back in 2017. So I just yeah. one thing led to another, right through research and getting involved in the financial therapy world and trial and error in my own life and um, seeing what was working with the couples I was working with. Kind of really got passionate about helping couples figure out how to navigate these tough choices yeah. and and learn how to manage money and make financial decisions in a way that actually helps not just the financial situation but their marriage gets stronger and as well in the process man quit married start a business you should have bought a house you would have yeah no i shouldn't have (laughs) (laughs) you had it all done in the same time frame when to have to worry about it no that is a lot wow and you you mentioned yeah a little bit of a stressful time i couldn't imagine going through all those changes and life changes in that short time frame uh you mentioned something that was I just wrote some note down as you were talking that piqued my interest. You talked about how you were working through financially. Are we going to combine accounts? Are we going to look at that? Can we start there? Because I think that's where newlywed couples start to think, do we, how do we make this work? How do we combine our accounts? Do we keep separate accounts? How do we stay on the same page? Can we start there and tell me a little bit about that process of how do we set this up? Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of a timely question because earlier this year, um, Indiana University in, in, uh, came out with a study that actually they, they studied groups of married couples. And to my knowledge, it's the first time that anybody's ever done a really rigorous study on how couples should be combining their accounts. And what they found, they, they, they pulled a few hundred couples um, who were in the early stages of their relationship, and they told half of them they had to combine all their accounts. And they told the other half they couldn't combine any of their oh. accounts. And they studied them over a couple of year time frame. And what they found in that process is that um, almost regardless of what metric they were looking at, the couples who combined things ended up with better outcomes, right? Better financial outcomes, um, better communication about money in their marriage, stronger marriages in general, um, less, a, a lower divorce rate. I mean, just in general, the, the evidence was pretty clear. Wow. Combining things led to good outcomes. Wow. That's incredible because so many people are protective of their money. It is. And yeah. and the problem with that study, Very from my right. perspective, is that everybody involved in the study was willing to be told what to do. And in an environment where everybody felt comfortable being told they should combine their accounts, that worked really well. But in my experience and talking to hundreds of couples at this point, um, oftentimes that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, why is that? What's the barrier there? Um, I think it, it's a few things. I think fear certainly is a part of it. I think, you know, we we see the study, the studies and statistics out there about, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce and uh, money fights are one of the leading causes of stressors in relationships. Like the, the connotation a lot of us have is that money and marriages don't mix very well. Mm. Um, and so I think there can be a fear of that. Um, I think that I mean, money is control for a lot of people. And so, you know, the the idea of giving up some control Mm -hmm. in that way is a, is a transition that can work, right. But, but it's a hard one to do. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I think it can be hard to make that leap. Um, And so I, I, I'm pretty like, just in the, in the experience I have working with couples, like for, to me, like there's really no reason to keep everything separate. Yeah. Um, like the, it, I think it usually when I see couples want to keep literally everything separate, that's a sign that they're using that as a way to yeah. avoid having conversations they should be having. Yeah. But at, at the same time, 
Um, I have seen a plenty of, of couples do really, really well with something in the middle, right? Where we're combining some things and keeping, whether it's a personal credit card separate for personal expenses or, um, I mean, I, I met, I, I had a couple, uh, maybe last year, I think it was about last year where the, the wife was really hesitant to combine everything because she had seen a few of her friends go through nasty divorces and had issues with that. And she eventually said, look, you know, if I, if I can keep an emergency, like an, an emergency fund of 20,000, I guess $20,000 set aside, like I'll combine everything else. Like I just need to have that like, safety net. And, Weird. Yeah. And so, and, and so that worked for them, right? She did that. Like the husband agreed, like he kind of understood what, where she was coming from and they were able to grow together financially because she had what she needed to really yeah. be able to lean in like that. So I, I, I think that there's a, there's different ways that couples can set it up. Um, but you know, so combining something at least usually is, is the is the optimal answer. Yeah, I, th- I thank you for going into that because you know you speak to like just married couples, young couples who well, maybe not just young couples, but you know newly married couples. But this information is important for a lot of guys. It doesn't matter where you are in your relationship because I you know I've been married twelve years. And I think about how we have our accounts set up and how long it took us to just get to the point to say, yeah, no, it just, it's so much easier if we just combine everything. Thank you for get, getting into that. There's a little bit of psychology there with, if you're jumping into a marriage and you still need a security account, what does this say about your relationship? But we won't go there. Um, you know, you, you have a chapter in your book about getting started on the same page. So what are some of the steps that people can take to get started? get on the same page and get on the same page early. Yeah. So usually when I have these conversations, we're coming from a place where we're not on the same page. Right. And so mm-hmm. the, the first thing I would, I would invite you to do first and foremost, realize that it's normal to not be on the same page. Like most like the, there was a growing body of research that suggests we attract our financial opposites. And so if you are finding that you're having conversations with, 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 with your wife and, like you feel like you're in sync about everything, but money is just the one thing that you seem to butt heads about, like understand that that is normal and doesn't make it easy to deal with, but it, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or her or your, or your marriage. Um, first thing you want to do is just try to try to understand why you aren't on the same page to begin with, right? What has gone wrong in your attempts to try to get on the same page in the past? Um, are you, coming on too strongly when, when you ask to sit down to talk about things are you not coming on strongly enough um it, it is I, I always like to start with is there something you could be doing differently to try to um bridge the gap a little bit more oftentimes there's not right oftentimes you're doing all the right stuff and the issue is on on, on their plate but um I, I it just humor me and check the boxes if you will to make sure yeah. that there's nothing you could be doing to tailor your approach a little bit differently um it, it is is she just like um from an emotional perspective right it, it, are there things that she feels anxious or guilty about and is trying to avoid right that that is by far the number one thing that i see with couples in terms of how they feel about the state of their finances or anxious guilty yeah. stressed something like that and so the the way that we often the way that that often manifests is we just avoid it and we put our head in the sand. And so it, it can take some work and it can take the right kind of approach to get out of the sand, yeah. so to speak. Um, are, are there 
any bad communication patterns that are happening on either of your parts, right? Whether it's um, contempt or criticism or defensiveness, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's certain communication patterns we look for that whether you're talking about money or frankly anything that are, are red flags that we should be addressing. Um, and, and then from there, once you've gone through that diagnosis process, right, you can tailor your approach, right? Adjust yeah. as needed. Um, it, if all else fails, ask for something small to start with, right? Can yeah. we just, can we set up some time to like this time next week or next weekend to sit down and go through our financial situation, yeah. right? Like that, that question typically is a pretty easy one to say yes to. Yeah. And if you have that conversation and get a yes to that, that's a win. Yeah, that's, part. that's a good step. So you have that conversation, you sit down, okay, here's where we're at. What role does knowing where you want to go and having a goal play in financial health when you're working as a couple? I am so glad you asked that because that, that is exactly where you want to go with that. Because what I find is that when, when I when I talk to the couples who are on the most complete opposite financial pages in like for short-term day-to-day spending, savings, investing decisions, right? When you actually take a step back and look forward, Right. What do we want our lives to be like 10 years from now or five years from now? Or like you pick pick whatever time frame you think makes sense for you. Yeah. When you ask that question, usually the answers are very similar. There's always some some differences, of course, you're two different people after all. But you know, t- typically that long-term vision is pretty in sync. Mm. And but we we don't focus on that when we when we focus on the day to day financial stuff, right? It, but I find that taking a step back and getting really clear on what we want that long term picture to look like, and then reverse engineer. Okay, great. How do we make that happen? And then that brings us to back to the the financial situation today, right? The the metaphor I like to use what, what in terms of making like t- talking about finances and and having constructive money conversations. Like imagine you're driving a car, right? Oftentimes, when we talk about our financial situations, we are either stuck focused looking at what's going on in the car today, like what the here and now looks like looking at the dashboard in front of you, or looking at what's happened in the past Mm. and focused on fights or conflicts that have happened in the past. We're looking at the rearview mirror of the car. Um, And look, the dashboard exists in a car for a reason. It has important information. We should be looking at it from time to time. The rear view mirror is in the car is in the car for a reason. We should be looking at that from time to time. But if you are spending 100% of the time that you're driving a car looking at the dashboard or in the rear view mirror, that is not a good it's idea. not a good scenario. No, it's not. Right. So <laughs> I find that the more we can look ahead at the road ahead, like that to me is the way that these conversations tend to go the best over time. Excellent. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. 
If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. So step one, we got down and we looked at our situation. We're both coming from these different areas. We're bringing this together. We've made the decision to bring it together. Now we've forecast and we've set goals. What are some of the strategies now that we can implement? Like, I think about account structure. This is a question that guys ask a lot, actually, is how many accounts? What types of accounts? Where does the money go? How do we make sure we know what the money is doing? That's the question. Where's all the money going? What is the money doing? So is there a perfect or suggested structure of accounts that works for newly married couples and even older married couples? Um, yes, there is. <laughs> and, and, and it starts with, it really does start with the degree to which you want to have everything combined, right? And th- there are ways to make either work. I find that, I mean, certainly you want to have an emergency fund that's set aside on its own. I like to have it as a completely separate account so that it is there if you need it and you're not, but you're not going to be tempted to tap into it to buy a home, for example, because buying a house is not an emergency, emergency. as an example. Um, I mean, certainly right, you know, having at least one checking account to operate out of is, is ideal, whether that's one joint checking account or whether you, you have a joint checking account that you're routing your housing expenses and food expenses through. And, and, you know, if you want to have a separate, um, individual checking accounts for your personal expenses where you're agreeing to a certain dollar amount that's going in there per month, right? That That's totally fine as well. Uh, and then from there, right, where is your long-term money going? Whether you know, retirement accounts at work typically are part of that. Um, and from there, like I like to have like a bucket of money per goal that we're looking at, right? And, okay. and so if you are saving to buy a house and I mean, retirement's different because retirement accounts are always individual. Yeah. Um, but you know, like if you're looking to save a house and buy a car, right? Either you should be doing one of those things first and then the other, or have like two separate pools of money for that. Um, and and depending on what the timeline is for for the goal, right? You either want to have that in a savings account or um, an investment account, right? Or, or, or potentially both, depending on how, how long we're looking at saving for the longer, the further the goal out is the, the more investing we should be looking at, um, for that. Um, and then the final piece that, um, is kind of a take it or leave it couples either really love it or really hate it depending on. So, so I'll, I'm going to put it out. I'm going to put it out there. If, if this sounds like more trouble than it's worth then then forget it. But, um, I have found that the thing that tends to derail people in terms of just looking at their monthly numbers and tracking their progress over time are the big one-off expenses mm. that happen through the year, right? The summer vacations, the holiday gifts, um, the even stuff like, like car insurance premiums. Some, some people pay those once a year, right? Rather than, than on a monthly basis, like those big chunks of money that you're spending all at once. And ideally you're setting aside money for those throughout the year so that when when the time comes you can pay for the vacation and not worry about it and so what I, sometimes i see people do that as like a separate bucket in their checking in their savings account or a separate checking account in general for for what i like to call storage money right it's not money that we are saving it's money that we're intending to spend but we just we're going to spend it in big chunks throughout yeah. the year rather than consistently on a month-to-month basis and so if you 
um, gifts and travel are, are the, the two that come up the most common for that. So that's the example I like to give. You know, if you look at the travel you're looking to do this year, the, the gifts you're going to buy for birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, um, holidays, and let's say all right, $6,000 a year, we're going to budget for, for all those things. You divide that up by 12, that's $500 a month. And you're just going to put $500 a month in that account so that when it comes time to pay $3,000 for the vacation or whatever it right. is like that money, that money is there and it's not going to blow up your credit card when you, yeah. when you come back. That's excellent. I like that storage money because too often people will go to their emergency fund for mm-hmm. things that are one-off expenses. Um, yeah. It, and I had, I had a friend come to me this week and said, Oh yeah, we had this happen. And it was their furnace in their house. We mm-hmm. had this happen. So we dipped into emergency. Fund. Can, I said, can I ask you a question? Was that an emergency or was that something that you know was going to happen eventually that you could mm-hmm. put money aside for? And so I think getting clear on what's an emergency and what's storage money, really appreciated how you put that. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you, you can, you can divide that up as finely as you'd like. What I often find is that, you know, when like I often see couples before they buy a house and after they buy a house, often what I find is just that emergency fund bumps up. A by bit. a decent amount after they have a house so that they have that some sort of slush fund for stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Okay. So you've kind of given us the where to get started and some of these strategies that we can use to get started on the right foot. What are some of the barriers or obstacles that you have seen couples go through in their financial journey as they're starting that together? Yeah. I mean, there are the the marital obstacles and yeah. there are the financial oh, yeah. obstacles. Let's, let's I mean, talk about financial for a moment. <laughs> all right, perfect. W- wonderful. <laughs> Love it. Um, you know, so certainly things like debt um, is, is a big, is a big one for people, whether it's credit cards, whether it's student loans, whether it's something else, you know, figuring out not just like the way we're going to use debt and handle our debt as a family, but particularly like if for things that were happened before a marriage or out, even outside of a marriage, um, how, how do we approach these things, right? If one person's coming into the marriage with no debt at all, and the other has um, six figures of student loan debt, how do we decide to navigate that? Right. Yeah. Is, is a real, is a real tricky one. And, and then for, for couples who are, have been married a little bit longer, um, you know, I, I've had conversations where credit card debt is racked up. Um, one spouse knows about it. The other maybe should know about it, but doesn't like the, these things can happen and can come up all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, even, you know, five, 10 years into a marriage as well. Yeah. Um, we connected a couple of weeks ago just to get acquainted. And you mentioned on that call, you know, you've seen where somebody will come to you and say, I, I have this thousands of dollars in debt and they don't know about it. And I mm-hmm. don't want to tell them about it. And how hard of a position that could be entering into a relationship or being in a relationship where let's call it $3,000 on a credit card, for instance, mm-hmm. $6,000, doesn't matter what it is, but yep. you're coming into it and you're like, I got to hide this and I got to take care of this in the background. But from what I've heard from the guys I'm working with, what I've seen in my own family is that never works trying to do it in secret. Mm-hmm. Is this consistent with what you're seeing with the couples you're working with? It is. Yeah. In the, in the financial therapy world, we actually have a term for that. It's, it's financial infidelity, um, mm-hmm. right? The, the act of keeping financial secrets, whether it's hiding accounts or debts or 
assets or bonuses or giving money to family in a way that your spouse might not be comfortable with. And um, gambling, right, certainly is a, is a growing more common one as well. And the interesting thing about that is that it's more common than you might expect. And it's more common than we even realize. I find like there was a study done a few years ago that surveyed people and said, like, have you ever kept a financial secret from yeah. your spouse? And I think it was about 20, 25% or so people said, yes, I have done that. Mm-hmm. But then they went further and actually asked, like, have you ever done this specific thing and gave some examples of it? And when they added all that up, over half of the people surveyed had done at least one of those oh, wow. things, but only, but I mean, literally half of those people, 25% recognized it was a problem and the other 25% were doing it, but didn't, didn't even necessarily re- connect the dots on it. Like wow. it, it is a very common problem. To, to have. And I um, mean, you know, certainly uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's important to address that. It's important to kind of air, air the dirty laundry, so to speak. Like there yeah. is, it, it, it can trigger the same sort of responses that other forms of infidelity can. Yeah. Um, and, and it, um, so yeah, it, like that, that, that is one that I would immediately identify as a red flag that um, you want to make sure you have a plan for how to address. No. Good. I would hate for somebody who's listening to this right now to hear this and be like, oh, that's where I'm at. And us not to dive into this a little bit. So if you don't mm-hmm. mind, because as a financial therapist, you work with couples through this. If someone finds himself right now in financial infidelity, mm-hmm. they're, they got this pit in their stomach. They know they got to do something about it. What are the steps they can take to start that conversation to say, hey, we want to get on the same page? Yeah. So I, I always just coming at it from the opposite perspective for for a minute, looking at the the spouse who isn't Doesn't in the loop on it, yeah. right? And who, yeah. who might find out about it. Yeah. The 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 thing that I always tell them is I, I care more about what the attitude and behaviors are like going forward mm-hmm. than what's happened in the past. Right. Everybody, everybody makes mistakes in some way, shape, or form. The question is what are you going to do about them? And so I, I think that if you are in that position, it does not need to be like this end all be all type of a thing, but right. What are you going to do differently? Right. How can we fix the problem? Right. How under really t- taking some time to do some self-reflection about how it arose, how you got to this point. Um, and then what, what we can do differently going forward. And then from there, right in the context of like a broader conversation about your family's goals, like coming forward and saying like, Hey, like I realize I've kind of messed up. Like this is what's happened. Like, being an open book about it, right? Certainly, like we want to try to lower the defenses as much as possible because um, it, it may take some time to work through. Certainly, having somebody to help guide you through that conversation is, is a really good idea because mm-hmm. uh, it, it can be a tough one for couples to navigate. But depending on the depending on the severity and magnitude and dollars involved, right? Like there's a lot of variables that go into that. Uh, but I think yeah, the the most important thing is to have a plan going forward to how for how to kind of bring the financial house back together yeah appreciate you diving into that and i know in your book you go into strategies and you have you talk about this and i don't i'm not going to share the whole book here but uh, i think it's important to address that sometimes the elephant in the room just needs to be spoken about and so no thank you for doing that uh let's talk about your book um where can people get your book tell us a little bit about it and the purpose of why you wrote it yeah. Um, so the, the book is called Marriage Centered Money, which I like to, to joke is the opposite of money-centered marriage. Right? So, <laughs> and and I, I, you can get it at marriagecenteredmoney.com. It's on Amazon as well. Um, and you know, I wrote the book 
as I was kind of pulling all these stories together and seeing, you know, couples in, in various financial backgrounds, various um, kind of mar- marriage status backgrounds and, and seeing kind of a process that worked to kind of pull them together um, financially and start to make financial progress. Like I just, I wanted to share that with, with as many people as I could, right. What I found as I've done more and more of this work. And as I wrote the book is that it, it really frustrates me the way my industry talks about couples in marriage. Like it, oh, it, it, yeah. it's a very frustrating thing for me because um, the the way financial planners handle these things just tends to not be, not be ideal, right? We tend to avoid tough conversations. I was point blank trained by the person who trained me in the industry way back when that yeah. if a couple starts fighting about money in your office, your job is to change the subject and wow. to move on to something different. Right. And yeah. so mm-hmm. um, it, it just, it's not something we're great at, at handling and, but it can be, it can be addressed. And, and, and if you are able to have those conversations in a more constructive way, if you're able to learn how to manage money more effectively w- with your spouse, like it, it doesn't just, it doesn't just make your financial situation better. It actually does strengthen your marriage in the process. Like we work on both of those two things at once. And so that, that was why I wrote the book. Um, the, the book is really kind of designed there. There's two main parts to the book. Is it a little bit of an introduction that kind of goes through some of the terms and concepts, but the, the, the part two of the book, uh, the, the first main part, if you will, um, is really the, the marriage book with like viewed through the financial lens, so to speak, right. Where we go through the, um, getting on the same page and financial conflict resolution and understanding your spouse's money history and how they came to think about money the way that they did going through the common types of financial differences that I see and some strategies to handle them going through some of those more red flag issues like a financial infidelity or or financial abuse and and things like that. Um, And then from there we go into the, like how to build the financial plan that actually puts your marriage at the center of things. Man, you lay it all out there because I'm thinking about, how people look at money, they enter conversations about it, how they avoid conversations about it. Um, but also you mentioned something there that I think is fascinating and I can't wait for people to get your book and dive more into it is mm-hmm. the idea of what money habits and money beliefs do you bring into a relationship? Yeah, we, We've spoken on this podcast with guests before about ways that people bring other things from their family into a relationship, but we've never spoken about money that way. Mm-hmm. Find that fascinating. Very, very cool. And so marriagecentermoney.com is where people can find your book. If people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Yeah. So um my email is bill at paysetterplanning.com. Uh, my I'm, Instagram is my my social media platform of choice. So I'm at paysetter planning there. That's the name of my company. Excellent. Bill, I always ask guys who are on this podcast who are fathers one question. So I got to ask okay. you, because I know your kids are young. What is one area as a dad right now that you are excited about or you're diving into to grow in right now? I love it. Um, yeah, I, I have a I have one two and a half year old, so almost yeah. two and a half year old. So we we right now are I mean, she's exploring the world, I feel like in in, in a lot of ways for the first time. Right. You know, she's she's understanding like, OK, like our surroundings a little bit more, I think. And so right now we, we are just, we're working on kind of teaching some of the family culture, things like that, right? Like the um, more, more than just, okay, like you know, it's, we, we know we have nap time every day in the middle of the day, but like, you know, sitting down for our family dinners and why we do that and going to church and things like just all, all of that stuff. I feel like there's a little bit more like why behind it now. Yeah. 
than there yeah. was. Um, and, and at some point, we're not at the point where we're doing a lot of financial stuff. Um, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to to teach my daughter a little bit about that as well. Because I guess the, the last thing I'll sh- I'll share with with your audience is yeah, that yeah. you know whenever I talk to dads about about you know how they view kind of money and raising a family, right? Like the we always start from the process uh, or from the place of wanting to create a good life for our kids and provide for our families, right? Like that, right. that, that to me is like the very common answer I get there. But and one thing I'll say is that what I don't think a lot of dads I talk to really think through is that you are homeschooling your kids when it comes to, to money, right? Like most right. schools do not teach personal finance in any sort of personal way. Like yeah. they're learning it from somewhere and they're learning it from you. Right. <laughs> and the, right. the way that right. the, the, the way that we come into marriages, as you just alluded to from different with, with, you know, with, with different money perspectives and backgrounds are kind of really based on the environment that we grow up in. And so, you know, really just kind of being aware that whether, whether you like it or not, you're homeschooling your kids yeah. when it comes to how they view money. And, and that does not, that is different than just like, whether you have a lot of money or you don't, but how do we view money? How do we talk about money as a family, right? How do we, like, what values are we placing on things like work or entertainment and that kind of thing? Like just being a little bit aware that you're being watched in that area. And it, and it's, and fortunately or unfortunately, like most of what your kids are going to learn about money, they're going to learn about from you. Yeah. Amazing. I'm, I'm glad that you said that because little eyes are watching you. And always in the work that you put in, in your relationship and the work you put in with your finances and how you interact with people, they are picking up on that all the time. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that, Bill, I appreciate you. Thank you for so much for taking time away from your family today to be with us. Um, looking forward to, we'll put Bill's contact information uh, in the show notes. Please go get his book, Marriage Center Money and MarriageCenterMoney.com and connect with him on Instagram. Thank you very much, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you were a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.